You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I'm Jasper. And I'm Autumn. This is episode 107 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. And today we have some uh, interesting thoughts to share with you. I guess I could say that it's a way to almost gamify your email list. Would that be uh, some fair way to describe it, Autumn? <laughs> It would, as long as uh, readers don't get offended by that kind of a scheme. But yeah, it's a way of maybe strategizing uh, the best way to market books so that readers keep buying them and become fans with a bit of a game <laughs> to it. Yeah, what I meant is like, it's like it's a bit like engaging your list with like a tiering structure which is some similar to what you see in games right so you can sort of yeah. level up to the next tier uh that was <laughs> exactly. what I meant. um yeah but but more on that in a bit uh, first i wanted to hear if you have actually survived the snowstorm all right up there autumn <laughs> it was close it was very close we are so lucky in many ways because this snowstorm that of which you speak was originally supposed to miss us and just smear my parents who live in Pennsylvania. But Vermont, up where I'm at, they thought it was going to move off the coast. Well, yeah, no, it came inland. And we got over 25 inches of snow from nothing, bare ground to, to over two feet. But just north of us, just north, they got guess how many feet of snow from zero to... Ah, I have no idea. <laughs> four uh, not that feet. Good at feet. Yes, well, 48 right. inches, four feet. So that would have been up to my chest in snow. Jesus. I, yeah, two feet has been hard enough, but especially since we live in a small cabin that we actually don't drive to, we have to walk about a thousand feet through the woods to get to our cabin and that's challenging enough in two feet of snow but four feet i mean my dog you've seen pictures of my dog he's like what 18 yeah, inches yeah. tall no. <laughs> and he jumps like a little rabbit he looks like a, like a little wee a wolverine you know jumping through the snow i can't imagine we have to dig a tunnel for him to go out yeah i was just about to say he needs to make some tunnels <laughs> but oh, it's all getting cleared out and packed down and it's actually it's sad I, I should be very upset because it's supposed to rain on Christmas Day and we'll probably end up with bare ground again but yes I cannot wait to get rid of the snow for a little bit that'd be fine with me <laughs> yeah but yeah so uh, yeah, as, as the listener as you can hear um, we are recording a bit just before Christmas here so that's why we're talking about a snowstorm so if you're listening to this and thinking <laughs> what snowstorm then uh, it's not because you missed something very important it's because uh we're trying to do a bit of pre-recording because uh yeah well like most people we would like to take a 
bit of time off during Christmas and holidays. But on the other hand, we don't want you to miss any episodes uh, on Mondays uh, since we've now been going for, I think, more than two years releasing podcast yeah. episodes every Monday. So we're not going to miss any now. So no. that's why we are pre-recording a bit so you can get some new episodes, even though we are taking a bit of time off. So, well, that's the explanation why we're talking about <laughs> snowstorm while there might not be... Well, maybe there will be a snowstorm in January. Who knows? <laughs> no, please. No, 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 no. <laughs> but you're still unpacking. So let's get away from weather to how are things going in the new apartment? You've officially handed over the house. Hopefully you're settling in. Well, yeah, well, I don't think there's much, that much news to say other than it's the same situation as last time <laughs> uh, in the last episode. Uh My wife has been away, so that Ooh. also means that the unpacking has sort of stopped a bit <laughs> because <laughs> it's pointless of me unpacking and then she comes home and say, I oh, know I don't want those pieces there and then reduce the whole thing, right? So <laughs> yeah, it's just sort of waiting a bit until she comes home. So it's still the same situation. Um, but in between all the moving, and, and honestly, I guess uh, in the future episodes, we need to get away from talking about moving all the time. <laughs> but, uh, It's but been instead, a big event for you guys. Yeah, it is true. But instead, I wanted to mention that uh, last night I finished watching a series on Netflix called The Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, yeah, you mentioned and, that. Uh, yeah, I couldn't help but to email you right, right <laughs> afterwards uh, before <laughs> I went to sleep uh, last night, Autumn. <laughs> that's, a good ep that's a good series if you're emailing me. You think of getting out your phone to let me know it's a good series in the, at the middle of the night. That's pretty nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because and I wanted to mention it here as well because, well, the title is perhaps slightly misleading, and then again, not. But the haunting, well, it it is a ghost story as such, uh, uh, but and I guess it's also pitched as sort of a horror series or horror story, Ooh. I guess, but it's really not. Um, so even you know if if you dear listener are thinking like I hate horror stories and I don't want to okay bear with me just a moment here because <laughs> there are a few scares here and there but they are very very minor uh, I, I, it's not jump scares like that there, there might be a few pieces I, I think there's nine episodes okay. and let me say that maybe twice during all of those nine episodes there's something that might scare you slightly depending on how you're Well, how easy you scare, I guess. But so they are here and there, but they are very far between, because the focus of the series is really on the characters and their story. Um, and in case you haven't checked it out yet, I really wanted to to make you aware of this one because it is really worth the watch. Uh, yeah, as I just said, I emailed <laughs> Autumn in the middle of the night to let her know about it. So, uh, But I, I think why I emailed you, to be honest, I think it was because I just watched the ending of it. And first of all, usually something that is categorized as a horror story, it's uh -huh. like the endings are all, most of the time is pretty bad, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And this one just, it actually moved me, you oh, know, wow. the ending. It was like, I was a bit like, okay, it actually hit me a bit oh. in a very good way. Excellent. You know, and that happens very, very rarely. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely five stars from me. And uh, recommendation has now been uh, passed, passed on, on to uh, 
our listeners. Everyone. Well, I thought it was interesting. I did look it up and I saw that it was from the same director as The Haunting of Hill House, which you also recommended. Yes. And we watched. Yes. And you said something very seri- similar about not being too jumpy or scary. And I do remember watching the first episode and my husband turns and looks at me. He's like, I thought this wasn't supposed to be scary. So <laughs> I'll let you know what he says about this one. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well, I, I think personally, I think uh, Haunting of Hill House is a bit more scary. It's not okay. it's not very scary compared no, to what you would normally categorize as a horror story, but it is a bit more scary than this one. This one is less scary, I think. Okay, uh, even. excellent. Um, I won't have to protect him all night. Excellent. <laughs> No, I, at least <laughs> at least in my opinion. I mean, okay. I know I understand that with stuff like this, miles vary, uh, and it, it's very different what people get, can stomach. Uh, but I don't think it's bad at all. Um, I just think it's a very very good story, and it's very well done. <laughs> so uh, yeah, give it a try. Check it out. A week on the internet with the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Now, we're going to talk about email lists today, and uh, as I teased up there at, at, at the top, <laughs> and a way to market to your email list. Uh, but I also wanted to mention that we have actually finished up and released our new course on email marketing as well. Woo! Third <laughs> course for 2020, because we're recording this in 2020, so we did it. So <laughs> Yeah, so it still Yay! counts. All right, it does. <laughs> yeah. It involves everything from getting set up to how to write onboarding sequences, how you should be thinking about your emails, how often to send emails, what is a good open rate, a good click-through rate, and all that good stuff that everybody always asks and wants to know. Absolutely. It's all covered. <laughs> it's and I'm so, and actually, I have to admit I was wrong. This is our fourth curse, fourth curse, yeah, chorus for 2020. So <laughs> that's, it makes it even better. But no, it's, it is an excellent course. If you have questions on how to talk to readers, some of the stuff I'm talking about, and we're going to be discussing later in this episode, and you want to know how to market to readers and what all this stuff means and what's a good list and how to engage them, it's all in there. It it covers everything. So that'll really help you out. Yeah. And in terms of how to get access to this course, it's slightly different from what you would normally expect. So it's not really a course that we are going to advertise uh, like our ultimate fantasy writer's guide which is our comprehensive a to c writing course or the world building course that we just uh, released or opened up for quite recently here yeah those we promote on something like a six month cycle but this one we're not Uh, so the way to actually get into this course uh, if you are interested is to first sign up for our free self-publishing success course and by the end of the free course you will then be given a link to the email course and the reason we structured it this way was that the free course actually puts all the fundamentals in place and that will have you operating from the right position once you get into the email marketing stuff so uh yeah, so that's how we decided to structure it. And uh, we've added the link to the free course in the show notes. Uh, I know we've mentioned the free course a few times on the past couple of episodes. Uh, so this is probably going to be the last time in a good <laughs> while that we're going to add that link to the show notes. But uh, for the last time here, we have added it. And uh, so if you haven't checked it out already, 
make sure to sign up as soon as you listen to this episode and uh, at least get the free course uh, course uh, completed. And then at the end of that, you can always decide if you want to do the email list course or not. That's fully up to you. Yes, it's sort of like the finishing school for the free course, but definitely the self-publishing success course will teach you the fundamentals for free that you need to know to be running it. And the email course will be the capstone that really will make your marketing just shine. And on to today's topic. So, Autumn, you had this great idea on how to operate a mailing list in a different way than what is considered traditionally. So perhaps you could start out by more like explaining the high-level concept before we get into details. I think that's also a good place to start, other than saying my brain's squirrely and I've always got to do things different. But did I ever tell you what actually gave me the idea, the little problem I was nibbling on that made me want to figure this one out? Uh, You know, this is one of those questions (laughs) that you should not ask, because if I say... No, I'm not sure. I can't remember. Then that sounds like I didn't pay attention. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fair enough. Well, you should answer for what the readers or the listeners need to to hear so that they can hear the story. So no, no, you have not told me about it at all. I'm sure you have never said anything about it. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't know if I have. So that's fair enough. But you know, when you go into most email service providers, uh, as you're working on stuff, they often give you tips. And there's one that usually says, hey, did you know open rates and response rates go up if you just send to a subsection of your list? I'm like, well, that's nice, but I'm sending to readers. How do you make a subsection of readers? I mean, the readers. (laughs) How are you going to segregate them into smaller lists? And I must have chewed on that for a good four to six months, wondering how I could, how, if this is such a good thing that this email service provider is telling me I should be doing it and it's going to totally revolutionize the way I send emails, how can I do it? How can I make that happen? So, yeah, that's what spawned this idea. And I finally, I finally came up with something. And that is this, what I eventually did send to you saying, Am I just crazy or do you think this might work? And you said. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, but I actually still very much like the idea because I, I think there is something about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and maybe that will become clear as we talk through this uh, stuff on, on the episode here today. But <laughs> I'm not sure quite we worked out how to actually do it well. Uh, so this is more like also for the listener, it's it's a bit more like a brainstorming kind of conversation, I guess. It is. Uh, and maybe we'll trigger some thoughts in the listeners. Uh, and and I, don't, yeah. I don't know. Well, let, let's see where it goes. <laughs> yes. Maybe it'll inspire you into doing something different with your list. Maybe while you and I are talking, Jesper, we'll figure out what kind of went right and what went wrong with my experiment. Because as I see on our Patreon page, I love living my life, life as an experiment so everyone else knows what not to do or the benefits of what I did. So, you know, it saves everyone else some agony. I I, I sacrificed myself for that. But what I realized... (laughs) Thank you. 
So I have to admit, this was set up well for me and other listeners, other authors might have to think about teaming up for this to happen. Because I have three series of books. One is the main entry point to all of the books I've written. One that is set after that initial series. It's in the same world and the same characters. I have one that's an entirely different genre that the readers who read it, absolutely, they're like mega fans, but you know, it's not even fantasy. It's more post-apocalyptic. So it's completely different. It fits what I'm writing now. But then I have two novellas that are in completely different storylines and also a short story compilation novel. So I've got three series and three sort of standalone books. And I realized that besides having a lot of books out, I can't keep them straight half the time. But I could actually create four tiers of readers. And that's sort of what triggered everything. I can have a tier of people who finished that first series, a tier of readers who finished the first and the second that's related to it, a tier of readers who have read the other unrelated post-apocalyptic series, And then a final tier who have basically literally read everything I have written in the fiction world. I I spared everyone the nonfiction. I thought that was only fair. So that's it. I finally, I figured out my tiers that I could break up my reader list to. And I gave them names. I did book explorers for the new arrivals, spellbinders for the second ones. The fifth order, which uh, relates to the main, the, first series. It relates to my epic fantasy series and the High Council for the ones who have finished everything because they have some special powers why they ended up being called the High Council. And it also came straight from my fantasy world too. Mm. So how how were you, in practical terms, how, how were you keeping track of who had read everything and who hadn't and what they have read and so forth? It's so funny. It's like it's like you can read my mind or or the list of notes I have in front of me because that is actually <laughs> the next bullet point. We're so good this way. I because I hadn't been keeping track on where people were coming in or emails I'd gotten from readers saying, "Hey, I finished this book. I thought it was great." So, I went ahead and I asked them um what what they had read, where they had read and told them, "Hey, is this really important? I need to know." And so I had them segregate themselves. And then anyone who did not email me back or didn't, it was a survey. Um, I will talk about it later, but I actually use MailerLite and they have a very cool survey that allows you to tag people if they click on things. So I use that function. And if people didn't click on anything, I just put them in the lowest tier book explorers and figured they had to sort themselves out if they did to get their act together. So that's how I sorted everyone out. I made them do it themselves and figured that was a good baseline to start from. And I did. I ended up with, and there's a few people, you know, you know who your mega fans are. It's not like there was, I wish there were hundreds of mega fans that I didn't know all their names intimately. But I have, I have a core group that I know have read everything. And so it was basically like, hey, by the way, I'm just putting you over here. So those were easy. Yeah. But did you then also think about adding in some, you know, this kind of questionnaire in the onboarding sequence or the end of the onboarding sequence to to basically figure out new readers or did you more just track where they came in from and then say, okay, if you came in from here, that means you've read this book, so I'll put you in that tier or did everybody just go into the lowest tier from the beginning or how did, uh, how did you do that? 
Well, after they let them segregate themselves, the new arrivals would basically automatically go into the lowest tier, the book explorers, unless they were picking up. I did have an offer in my first book to pick up the second book. And so if they came to me through that second book in that sequence, I had a, Hey, pick up the final book in the series um, with this coupon code. And if they picked it up through that, I immediately put them in the next higher tier. Cause I assume if they're buying book three, I can pretty much assume they're going to go finish it because I know my read through rate between book two and book. Th- if people buy book two, my read through rate to book three is a hundred percent. So I know they're going to finish it. Uh, so I just dump them into the next higher tier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, be- because I know it as well for myself, for example. I mean, sometimes I end up signing up for some author's email list, but in reality, I might have read several of the person's books already, but for whatever reason, I never got around or didn't decide to sign up until now or something like that. So it could happen that somebody Mm -hmm. comes in and have actually read several books, uh, especially now that you you have several different series going. So they might have read one full series and then coming into another series and then say, Oh, okay, cool. I'll sign up for this stuff here Yeah, uh, for whatever, you know, so that, I guess that's a bit of the challenge here in terms of labeling them correctly from the beginning. It is. And I try to, there was actually the reason I wanted to do it this way is because it really does come down to marketing. So if people were in the first section I was going to market to them. I was going to give them expert excerpts and coupons to the second series. And if they were in the second tier, I was going to give them coupons and excerpts for that unrelated um, non-fantasy series. And then if they had finished that one, I'd be making sure I gave them excerpts to either what I was writing or the standalone novellas. So by knowing that, I could target what I was sending them and the materials and the coupons and trying to generate that interest to go to the next highest one. And I put moving between tiers totally in their hands. They were supposed to contact me via social media, preferably. They could send an email. Obviously, email always works. They had my email. But it was just, hey, give me a shout out on social media that you finished the final book in this series and that you want to go to the Spellbinders or you want to go to the Fifth Order. Tell me, tell people, that's fine. And that's, and I'll happily give you a like and a, you know, a little shout out and I will move you to the next tier and you'll get access to, uh, it was a new webpage. Each of them had a special webpage that was hidden on my website that they could only access through the emails or through, you know, going and saving that link. And on that page would be some social media posts that they could share, some images if they wanted to download them, and a coupon code for the month to a book that was discounted that was kind of, you know, saying, hey, I want you to go read this series, so you're getting that book discounted this month. And it was all very much structured and targeted that each one was just really kind of dialed into like, this is where I want you to move to. And it's in your control to move up to get and with each level. They were supposed to get not only in a better coupon, but I wasn't going to give any free books away. Like a paperback giveaway wouldn't happen to the lowest tier. They'd have to be at least in the second or the third tier before I started running some contests and giveaways and some kind of big, you know, brouhaha stuff like that. 
Yeah, and I like this tie-in with the social media stuff because then that gets word of mouth going automatically, oh, right? Absolutely. So I really like that. Uh, but this is also why I labeled it as a gamification at the top yeah, of the exactly. episode. Because it is a bit like, okay, you're at this level and then you can move up to level number two once you get mm-hmm. more, well, let's say, once you've read more. <laughs> right. Uh, and then you move up to level three and you're getting uh-huh. more benefits and so on, right? So, yeah, and, and I think that, not to everybody, but that appeals to some people, uh, the, the gaming people at least, they like the leveling up stuff, right? And uh, But did you... Did you sort of share that structure thing with them at, at the lower level? So once they come in, do do they get information about, okay, this is how I'm structuring things. And once you've done these and these things, you can move up. And then this is what you're going to get at that point or, or something like that. You, did you do anything like that? Yes. So it was on each email. One of the neat things, again, about MailerLite is I could conveniently, instead of sending four different emails every month or every newsletter, so that's twice a month for me, um, that were targeted to each group, I could send one newsletter and MailerLite has a function where you can hide certain things or just have it shown to people who are in a certain subsection. So I could just go ahead and generate everything in one newsletter, even though it looked like chaos. If you could see everything, once it, if you were just in the lowest tier, you would just see the stuff you needed. And in part of that would be like, hey, don't forget to move up to the Spellbinder and get, you know, get access to giveaways and get access to better coupons. Um, you have to do this. And it would also be on the web page that they would land on would be a little announcement at the top saying, hey, don't forget to get better access to this and that. You need to, you know, follow these steps below. And again, that's sort of why there were even availability of being able to download pictures. I tried to make it super easy. So they didn't want to go to, if they bought everything online, they didn't have any actual photos of books. They could, I gave them some paperback photos and things that they could use. And I would change them out every once in a while because I'm a graphic artist and that's what I do for fun. (laughs) So it was, uh, it was all set up for them. So it was as painless as possible for them, (laughs) at least. Uh, For me, it ended up, as you can imagine, four different levels. It was a lot of work. And of course, you still have that. Remember, I mentioned that high council, they have literally read everything I've written. I mean, even short stories, a few of them, they're just, they're voracious. It's crazy. They're little sharks and piranhas. They want to read it. They just read everything. I love (laughs) them to death. And so for them, I mean, I can't offer them a coupon. They literally have everything I've written. So for them, their ultimate reward and why they were called the High Council is they got exclusive access to what I was currently writing. I thought about a Facebook, but you know, I'm my love hate thing with Facebook. So I ended up going with a, fo- a small forum plugin. So I would have some stuff where, hey, we could talk about books you like. I could talk about what I'm currently writing, plots. I could give snippets. I could talk about characters and if I had a question or if they had a question about something they saw, we could actually have a discussion. They could help me problem solve some plot problems as I went. So this was why I called them the high council, because that's how the high council in my fantasy world, you know, functions. They are the ones who basically rule everything. So this was going to be my select tier of readers who really knew my writing and knew really were passionate about what I was doing. And they would have complete access to helping me out as I wrote. And they were also guaranteed to be get the copy of the next book before it hit stores. They would get access that, you know, no one else could get. And that's why they were 
that was a very special function for them. And another benefit of, of all of this is that you you also get rid of the freebie seekers, meaning that uh, <laughs> when you do new launches or you're looking for an advanced reader team and stuff like that, you can uh-huh. start pitching this to the higher tiers so yes. that you're actually getting people who you know have actually read your books and they're not on your list just to capture free copies of advanced reader copy, but they're actually there because they are reading your stuff, right? And, and I like that because that's one of the challenges you have with the recruiting a launch team is that uh, how do you ensure that you're just not getting a bunch of people who just want a free book and half of them is never going to leave that review that you would like them to to leave once the book launches or they are never going to give you the feedback that you're asking for or, or whatever it may be that you're looking for the launch team to do, right? I mean, yeah. for, for us, we have started to say that uh, in order to get onto our launch teams, you have to send us a link to two reviews you left on two of our books. And if you haven't, then, well, you're not going to get onto the launch list. So that's another way of doing it. But I do think I do think there's a good point in trying to make sure that whoever you allow onto a launch team or an advanced reader team or whatever you want to call it is people whom you know have actually, in one way or another, done something in return. You know, that uh, yes. it's... Because otherwise you will get those people who, who just, they figured out the system, right? It's like, okay, I'll get onto the author's email list <laughs> and then... I will get uh, invites to advanced reader teams and I'll say yes. And then I don't have ever to buy a book again, right? So there are those peoples out there. There are. Um, it is, unless you're really paying attention, you can easily, I mean, as you know, I just told you that I, I just put out an art call for um, my next series. And I did find it amusing how many people said, oh, I've never read one of your books. I'm like, really? Why are you on my readers list? But again, like you said, they they came in either they're so new they haven't read much and they just signed up to get a free book and they haven't finished it yet, and they're willing to go get another free book. Of course, they it's an addiction. It's an addiction for me. I try not to read too much because I would just read all day if I could. So this did. I I mean, I told people flat out, if you're in the lowest tier, I'm not going to ask you to be an arc reader. You're not going to be part of the launch team. You have to at least finish a series. And then when you're in that second tier and the third tier, you will, you know, pretty much you'll be asked. And if you're in the final tier, if you're in the high order, of course, of course, you're on the launch team. You've read everything. How could I not reward you with that? Yeah. But I guess that, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the really question is, we talk about it being not really a failed experiment, but I mean, the question is, did it work? And why didn't it work? Or what were the pros and cons, I guess? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> let's go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> let's go down that rabbit hole. So I would say the first few months were a complete success. I was pretty thrilled, actually. A lot of readers went and picked up the discounted books. And the nice thing about that is those were books I was self-hosting, selling through my website. So I was not getting, you know, it wasn't through another retailer. There was no royalties taken out. This, Except for taxes, this was 100% um sales straight to me which is fantastic and it was teaching readers that you can go to my website and buy books directly from me you've they've set up the account they're already there so that's kind of win-win that was very nice to see so many people going and hitting those pages and taking Mm -hmm. advantage of that 
And I did have people going on social media if they finished. And you, some of them were totally into it saying, yep, let, I'm ready for the Spellbinders. I am ready for this. Even my niece did it. It was fantastic. So That's the it, game that, of people. There. <laughs> it was definitely. And I had a few people who just chose, hey, you know, I uh, emailed, I just finished this one. I want to go to the next one. Because I did, I mean, I even, if, to do this correctly, the information to like move up a tier should be in the back of the final book to move up a tier saying, Hey, don't forget, you can go do this now. That would, that was a tie in. I didn't bother going and doing cause that was a lot of work at the time. So I didn't do that, but that would be another thing I could do to make it more of a, a smooth flowing system to remind people, Hey, you finished this book, you deserve more rewards. So go let people know and move up to the next tier. So that was good. Yeah. It, there was some exception definitely some success and it was a lot of fun and it was neat to see it in action and readers responding. And the nice thing is because also with people going to certain pages on my website, I was getting the SEO boost. So I have people going from your email, going to your website, which helps your email standing, you know, with your email marketer, it's raising the level there, email platforms are saying, hey, you know, people like this email provider, they're clicking the links, this is not spam. So it's showing up more in their email accounts. And then my personal website SEO jumps up because I have a few hundred people going to my website two days every month, if not more often. So that's another benefit. That's fantastic. My standing went up. I still have a few things that um, I started on my website and then moved to Am Writing Fantasy and never removed them from my website because the links are still out there. And I still get them hitting my website before Am Writing Fantasy sometimes because I boosted the SEO of my website so much through this system, which was, hey, that's kind of cool. Readers are finding me through just website searches. Score. Mm-hmm. But... Oh my gosh, it's so much work. I, as you can say, I phased this out for several reasons, but one of them was definitely that unless you're going to hire like a virtual assistant to help with changing out the website. So I'd only change them once a month on the, so by the first of the month, a new coupon, new images, new whatever would be on the website for them to land on. So I had to do that as well as two emails during the month that were set up to four different reader tiers. And plus you have to monitor social media and oh my gosh, there's so much, you know, I'm not on discord. So if someone was like, you know, typing away on discord, I'm not going to see it. I tried to go on Instagram and like, you know, you can filter out for your own hashtags. I have book hashtags that people could use and my own author hashtags people can use, but you have to be actively searching for those and checking them and making sure they show up or that they're tagging you appropriately, not some other poor autumn raven or autumn birds. (laughs) And so it was a lot as a single individual author who is also trying to write and market to maintain every single month, especially after that first initial burst starts to die down and people are starting to see, oh, this is the second or the third time that you've you know, given a discount to that book and I've already got it and they haven't told me to move up for the next tier. And of course, the one series is totally non-fantasy. It's post-apocalyptic. There's no magic in it. And even though people love it, some people are like, I don't want to read something that's, you know, gun battles and a little sci-fi. It's not my cup of tea. And I can't, you are gonna, you know, but to piss off your readers and say, well, fine, you just can't move up in the next tier. You have those discussions with people. So 
I would say when it comes down to it, it's the work, especially when it slows down and people are not going every month and you're not seeing 20, 30, 40, 50 sales straight to your website. That's when it's like, yeah, this is a lot of work for, you know, 10 sales, people getting discounted books. Yay. That's wow. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. I wonder if it would be possible to, you know, if, if one could come up with some different um what should we call it like entrance criteria for the different mm-hmm. tiers and yes. also some different rewards for the different criteria uh, for the different tiers meaning that for example instead of coupon because for one to do the coupon code stuff one you need to have a lot of books if you only let's say you only have two or three books out well it, well you're gonna run out of coupon ways <laughs> pretty quickly um but if there was something else you could um, offer them as a reward yeah. for going to a different tier. That's one thing. But I'm also wondering about the um, entrance criteria in the sense that um, uh, if you could make it so that you didn't have to go and hunt stuff down, but it more comes to you, you know? Yes. That uh, you have to email me this or, or whatever uh, t- in order to move up a tier or, or something so that well, at least if you only need to monitor your inbox for uh, for requests to get moved up, that, that at least simplifies yeah. things somewhat. Yeah, I think I would not use the hashtags and I would say, this is my Instagram profile, this is my Twitter profile, this is my Facebook profile. Tag me on one of these three and only one of these three and I will move you up or and or email me. But it couldn't be both or, you know, it didn't have to be through a book hashtag. Book hashtags are exciting, but... Yeah, that's a lot of, you know, to go and add your own book hashtags and stuff was quite uh, difficult. Yeah, or, or alternatively, if you want people to use book hashtags wherever they want to use it, that, that could work. But then you would have to tell them, take a screenshot of your post and send that to me in an email. Ah, right? That, yeah. That's an alternative way of doing it. That, yeah, and, and because at least then they can post wherever they normally go. Uh, they, they're not forced to use one of the platforms that, <laughs> that the author is on, right? Right. But, but again, that that's, of course, also, it, it's some more demand to ask somebody <laughs> to, well, first post about this, then take a screenshot, and then email it to me. Exactly. I mean, it has to be a good has, reward to do yeah, that. Yeah, that was, that was exactly where I was going, right? It has to be, the reward has to be something where the reader really feels, I, I really want this, right? If it's more like, yeah, that's quite nice, then it's not going to happen. No. And it's to get that reward. I mean, short of being a free book or something, it's, it's a big ask. Readers are busy as well. And it's easy to forget or want to get involved in your next book. And there were definitely, you're always going to have people not taking that step and not moving forward, even though they technically deserve, you know, they've met all the other criteria to do that. Yeah. I think the the more you move up the tiers, the more you can probably ask people, for, uh, them to do in terms of your criterias mm-hmm. uh, because the more engaged they will be and they, they will they will go to great length once they are up the tiers but i think at the lower tiers to move up from the entry level to the to the next tier level it has to be something extremely simple something you know I, you can do it in one minute uh, or probably even less like 10 seconds it requires nothing but 10 seconds from you to do it um and and then you can move up a tier because I think you need to get to that stage unless, or you need to make it that simple. Otherwise, I think it's going to be difficult. 
Yes, exactly. It was... You, you have to get them used to the system and excited about it and good rewards and just very clear-cut instructions on how to do it. And I, like I said, I think there's something there because it really did help me for marketing. Because at the end of all my emails, I usually do a little excerpt. And so if I'm doing an excerpt from a book that I'm pretty sure they haven't read, but they like the characters from the previous story, you know, I could rotate through different things, or I could even do excerpts from the the book I was going to give a coupon from, just to you know, you just start really trying to catch their curiosity saying, Oh, yeah, I did finish that series. Oh, and look, this character, what's happening in the next in that book, you can start getting their interest and keep it going and hopefully get them to buy more books. And like I said, in all the other side benefits, I wonder, I don't know if I would do the web pages again. But at the same time, maybe if I could just not have to update them as much, or like I said, have a virtual assistant and be like, you can get to go update that this month, make sure it's done by before the first, that would make it a little bit simpler, because the SEO results, and the open rates and how much it affects like your standing as a, you know, email account a mail in through your mail provider. Those are really good, solid benefits that I was seeing, I could I still have some of those lingering side effects that my email has a, or my website has a very good SEO score. I like that. That's not a bad thing at all. My main concern really is, well, if we just ignore for a moment the workload on the author side here, <laughs> then I think my main concern apart from that is you need it's a very very thin and fine line to walk to make sure that readers doesn't start feeling like being on the email list is a job right yes. it, it should not <laughs> feel like it's a job to be on the email list no um, and and that's very that's true. where it's, that's where it's difficult because you start asking people to do stuff i mean if you are like mm -hmm. stephen king then yeah i guess maybe people will start doing stuff because they 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 just want to get to the next tiers Mm -hmm. um, but when you're not Stephen King, then you know <laughs> how, how do you go yeah, about creating entry criteria to the different tiers that does not feel like a job, but actually uh, it should feel exciting to go through it, right. right? And I think that's the challenge, to be honest. It really is, and I, that's why I think there's something in the core of this that is could be fun and exciting and a reward for readers and help tie the author and the reader together, but short of the work or figuring it, the way I went about it, it was a little too complex. So I do think it's something I would be like to boil down and try to figure out again and and again, especially like like this year, 2020, COVID, just don't ask your readers to go do anything. Just give them a free book or something for Christmas. But <laughs> if if the world's a fun, if you can make it fun and, you know, especially at the higher tiers, if you really were giving away a paper book or paperback book or something every once in a while, and you could really make it exciting and worthwhile to engage with, that'd be good, but you're always going to have some, you know, readers are often introverts. It shouldn't be painful for them to be on your reader list and to be a fan either if they want to be quiet, but still hopefully get a few benefits. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we can put the question out to the listeners and uh, see, you know, may, maybe some of what we talked about here 
piqued, piqued your interest or inspired you, and maybe somebody has some smart ideas about yeah. how to leverage this idea. Because, as I said, to me, I think the idea itself has a lot of merit, yeah. and I think there are some good points in it. At the same time, though, I think the return on the investment in terms of how much time you have to put in to make it work, I'm not sure it's worth it. But maybe I just haven't found the the golden way of doing this yet. <laughs> I agree. Any listeners out there, if you think there's something in here and you kind of you think you know what it is and you want to chat, you know, send us an email, put it in the comments. You, we could talk about this. I'm all for it. I'd like to brainstorm with other authors. That'd be fantastic. Come to the M Writing Fantasy Group and say, hey. I got an idea about this this one from the podcast, and let's chat. Okay, so next Monday we are stepping into the future by probably not as but probably not as far as you might think. But we're going to talk about artificial intelligence and how it merges with. If you writing. like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcast and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on patreon.com slash amwritingfantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday.